Ladies and gentlemen, for the thousands in attendance and for the millions watching at home, DCK Productions proudly brings to you the greatest podcast in the world! Come on, the greatest podcast in the world? Suck it. No, you suck it. No, you suck it. No, you suck it. No, you suck it. I appreciate it if you both suck it. Suck it! We really should stop this fighting. Otherwise, we'll miss the fireworks. There won't be any fireworks. And here we go. And welcome, everybody, to Suck It! I am the great and powerful king of kings, prince of all that is awesome. Derek, how is everybody fucking doing on this Friday? Yes, I said Friday. Thank God it's Friday. October 9th of the horrible year that has been 2020. Woo! Been a good week been a good week we got some uh musicians on we've had some doctors on talking about you know the virus and wellness at home and stuff like that it's been a pretty interesting week um and last two days have been doctor talk so today we're gonna get back to normal i have a musician with me who's calling us from the future um because she's in britain <laughs> but that's beside the point um or she in the past i can't remember how does that work she's in the future but anyway, that's beside the point. Um, later on the show, after the interview, we have Nerd Talk. Um, some interesting stuff going on with Jensen Eccles from Supernatural fame and Benedict Cumberbatch. Some interesting stuff going on there. And then, as always, on Friday, the Today I Learned section of Reddit. But before all that, I have a lovely artist, again, who's... Currently in London right now, or Britain, somewhere in there, um, who's calling us in the future, which is like, you know, six hours, you know, so it's like 2 a.m. over there. Um, so let's get right to it because, you know, she's got to go to sleep. So, you know, it is what it is. But all the way from England, you know, celebrating her, you know, new uh, video release that was just released not too long ago, Water Source, and a bunch of other cool stuff that she's got going on. Please welcome to the show. Grace in space. How's it going? It's good. Although, you know, I'm not in London. Where are you? I'm not. I'm in a tiny little hamlet on the Oregon, California border. Oh, so you're here now. I'm here now. I'm on Pacific time. I'm okay. I thought you were still in. I thought you were still in. No, the accent is deceiving, but um, no. I'm, I'm not even sure if it's my real accent, to be honest, because I'm American. No, because I know you were born in California and then you moved yeah. to London mm-hmm. and then you got Madonna syndrome and then you moved yes. back here. <laughs> across the Atlantic, yeah. No, I did. I I don't know quite where I belong of the two places, but um, no, I'm here now, and it's pretty bizarre growing up in North London and then living up in like this tiny village in the redwoods for the whole time that the world is exploding during the apocalypse. So it's been a drastic change. You know what it has been. Um, but you know what it's been rather exciting because you know people like you and a lot of other artists have taken this time to really kind of refocus their energy um on making new music and um and really kind of focusing in on their fans and doing a lot of other cool stuff that you know they didn't really get a chance to do before they were always on the road they were always doing this they're always doing that and they didn't get a chance to really you know connect with their audience so i mean what have you what have you been doing lately I mean, I I was kind of on the road, not in a musical, a completely musical sense, but I was traveling around America for a long time. And so when coronavirus hit and I kind of 
evacuated from Los Angeles up here. I had the time, as you said, to just completely focus on music and without the luxury of working with any producers or other musicians or anything like that, I had to do it all by myself on GarageBand. And so I set up and we have like a Airstream out back here and I set up a studio and I just was, have been focusing on that and it has been great. Despite the fires and, you know, general sense of impending doom, it has been pretty good. <laughs> The general sense of impending doom. You don't have a general sense. You know, I, I could not have put it better myself. That okay. is definitely the uh, the uh, the way it's kind of going right now. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, I'm sure. I think that we'll adapt. Our brains will probably change, partly because we're watching so much Netflix. But um, uh, we'll we'll become a new. I don't even know who we'll be when we come out of this. Will we know what to do socially? Will we know how to hug, make eye contact? I don't know. There's a lot of questions floating around. Those are good questions because you know, <laughs> I, I'm kind of curious with myself because, you know, I, I spend most of my day inside, you know, talking to, you know, artists and musicians yeah. and celebrities and mm -hmm. publicists and managers. And, you know, I rarely ever leave my house unless I'm like. Me too. I didn't. I don't leave my house before coronavirus. Uh, oh, I did all the time because, you know. Prior to the coronavirus, you know, uh, you know, I, I did have a job, a regular job. Yeah. But then I said about two months ago, I said, screw it. I'm going full time on this. And it worked out That's perfectly. Great. But now it's like, you know, it, you know, it's been going on for almost a year. I'm getting ready to celebrate episode 100 next week. So I'm wow, really excited about great. that. So, you know, and now I'm just becoming that guy, that lazy ass that likes to sit in this house and not do anything. <laughs> but lazy is underrated. Lazy is what everyone needs a little bit of because it makes you slow down, makes you work on things that you wouldn't give time before to. We live in a very busy, uh, productivity-centered world, and it can be a little damaging, I think. I agree. Um, and, and, you know, that kind of personifies your Twitter handle at, at Laser Grace. Oh, yeah. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> a way there that I believe in being lazy as a virtue. <laughs> Um, yes, I do have a, I do. It's one of my core beliefs is being lazy. Um, but I don't know. I think a lot of people can think that artistic pursuits are just another way of being lazy. So oh, I agree with you a hundred percent, a hundred percent, because, you know, again, like I said, I mean, there's a lot of people that have, um, you know, taken the time to really kind of reconnect with their audiences and, you know, make new music and stuff like that. But what I fear is come January, February, mm -hmm. we're going to be overwhelmed with an onslaught of new albums, new oh, yeah. EPs. Um, inundated. For yeah. Sure. It's going to be like every Tuesday, every Friday, it's going to be like 500 new albums. And we're going to be like, uh, what do we do? So yeah, true. I haven't thought about that. So here's my question to you. And I've been asking this of everybody, of especially mm -hmm. the newer artists that are still trying to make a, yeah, you know, put their stamp true. on it. When that happens, how are you going to make sure that you stand out to make sure that you don't lose track of where you're going? Cause right now this is the perfect opportunity for you. But then next year mm -hmm. when everyone starts to release their stuff, it's going to get overcrowded. Mm -hmm. But, you know, somebody who has such a talent like yours, and I've listened to a couple songs of yours today, um, you know, how are you going to make sure that you don't fall through the cracks and kind of go unnoticed? I mean, I think that's the fear, no matter if we're in a pandemic or not. I think that the market is always saturated and it's almost impossible not to compare yourself to other people. I mean, Instagram doesn't help that at all. You can just scroll and just completely tear yourself apart. Um, I think that if you just focus on yourself, as maybe selfish as that sounds, if you just keep telling yourself every morning that what you're doing is good, that it's true to you, and you don't worry about standing out, you probably will because nobody can be you. Nobody can replace what you're doing necessarily. They might do the same genre or write similar songs, but different brains. Um, so I think that if I keep telling myself that every day and give myself those positive affirmations, um, 
then I'll I'll carry through. I think the trick to being any kind of artist is just keeping going, is just to keep going as painful and torturous as it might be, keep working on it. We'll see. Might not be, might be a different tune when the world is completely saturated in 2021 apocalypse albums, but. Yeah. yeah, but at the same time, you know, there's going to be a lot of artists that, you know, didn't change or there's going to be a lot of the same sound out there. And one thing I liked about your music is how different it is. <laughs> Thank you. One of the things that I noticed, especially about listening to Water Source, mm -hmm. was that it had a very 70s Joplin vibe to it. Oh, wow. Um, Thank you. No problem. I mean, now, you know, obviously she is a legend and, mm -hmm. you know, but it had that same type of feel to it. It was, it wasn't your average pop song. It wasn't your average, mm -hmm. you know, just your run of the mill, you know, Oh, I'm going to listen to Britney Spears type pop music. It was, it, it, it was, it was different. So oh. just, you know, describe your sound and why you are the way you are. <laughs> um, hmm. I think that when I was writing water source and paradise syndrome and those kind of apocalyptic kitchen songs, um, I love pop music and I think that it has the power more than any other genre to me to change the world because people, it gets in your head, whether you like it or not, like Britney Spears will get in your head. And if the lyrics to that song have some kind of deeper meaning or the more political or protest pop as I was calling that album, then you'll be singing along to it and then you'll start to kind of realize that maybe it's like you're reading a article from The Guardian or something like that, but it's in song form. And I think that we're gonna see more and more of that. I think that the market is pretty saturated and has been forever with songs about sex and love and that's great, it's necessary, it's a major part of our existence, but there's so much else going on right now. And uh, artists, are, are the, they're the witness. We have to put whatever is in the Akashic and uh, put it into song form or podcast form and alleviate some of the anxiety that the majority of people feel. So that's where I was coming from when I was writing that and although the sound that I have now is slightly different. I'd like to carry through some of that and be more like Joan Didion than Britney Spears, you know, yeah. like songwriter on assignment. <laughs> <laughs> so you described it as protest pop. Why do you say, why do you describe it like that? Um, I mean, besides the alliteration, which we always like, uh, I think that um, music is, is protest and uh, if you want it to be. And I was listening to a lot of artists when I was writing that like, you know, Gil Scott Heron and uh, Arrested Development and I was thinking, and Iggy Pop and I was thinking, this is kind of like protest music. It's music that you makes you care about things, makes you want to stand up, makes you feel confident, makes you feel aware. Um, and I wanted to, sort of build a new genre in that. Um, and I think that it might come up more and more depending on what it's called, whether it's called political pop music or alt pop or uh, quirky pop or whatever it is. I think that it might be happening more and more, which I hope it will. So, you know, a lot of people who are, you know, um, who get political and, you know, do that protest type stuff, mm -hmm. you know, especially on a national stage, like you have, you know, being an artist, um, consider themselves, you know, the voice of the voiceless. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, just the average Joe that just sits at home and, you know, tries to, you know, spark terror and, you know, try to do things on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, yeah, the troll. you know, you know, the trolls. Yeah. Um, but, but at the same time, there's, you know, there's real people out there that's trying to make a difference, but they just don't have that voice. Mm -hmm. um, so what are you trying to be the voice of with your music? You mean a specific group of people? Or? No, just in general. Mm, 
I mean, you always, as a musician, as any kind of artist, I think that you want to speak to people, speak for people, and generally bring a little bit of empathy and happiness. Um, if I can make a few people feel that or feel the kind of, I don't know, serenity that you get when you step into another world like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings or a great TV show um, and create that fantasy realm whilst also bolstering their reality. I would love to do that. And I don't, you know, care who feels it or what I want my fans to be or who they want them to be. I just want to bring a little bit of uh, fantasy and uh, escapism and happiness. I think a lot of people want that. I mean, your podcast will do that for people too. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, because with my show, at least, you know, one of the things that kind of differentiates me from everybody else um, mm -hmm. is the fact that my show is loosely mental health based. Okay. Yeah. I um, <clears throat> so, you know, one of the things that I like to, you know, talk about is, you know, mental health and stuff like that mm -hmm. um, because it's so important um, these it days. Really you know, I, I suffer from bipolar disorder. Um, I suffer from severe anxiety, PTSD, and I've had two mm -hmm. suicide attempts. Mm -hmm. um, and I have no shame in talking about that. To me, it's actually kind of funny, you know I mean? Because I was, you know, at that point, I was so low in my life that I brought myself to that. But now I brought myself out of it to do this and mm -hmm. make an impact and, you know, at least bring a smile to at least one person. Yeah. Of the... the 200,000 people that listen to me in a week. Yeah. You know, if I can bring a smile to one of those people's faces that's, and that's can, everything, that's, that's all that matters to me. Yeah. You know, um, it, it's all about, it's exactly that, you know, when, you know, when somebody walks into an arena or a club or even a bar mm -hmm. to listen to comedy or listen to music, whatever else that, you know, that case might be, there's a suspension of reality. Yes, completely. That's it. During that moment, or even, you know, watching a music video at home or whatever the case might be, but especially when it's live, mm -hmm. there's that suspension of reality and you can feel everything that that artist is doing up on stage. And yeah. the artist, if it's a true artist and not just mm -hmm. a musician and or not just a comedian, I'm mm -hmm. talking a true artist, a true entertainer, they can feel the vibe of everybody in that room. They're not going up on stage and just going through the motions. No, they're, they're transcending. Exactly. They are embodying everything that goes on in that room. Yeah. And, you know, that's what I try to bring every day to this mm -hmm. show. Yeah. So, you know, what is your vibe? What is your message to the world? My message to the world? Yeah. Mm. Or at least when you're up on stage or, you know, when you're communicating through song or entertainment, period, what is your message? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? I think that when when I'm up on stage, it's that it is that I mean it's different every time, as you say. You'll feel the energy of the room and you know the nerves, the ego will die down and you start to open up and take some of that energy and throw it back. Um I think that I I want people to listen or watch whatever I am transcending and feel a sense of fun and peace and humor and I really do I mean I said this before I want I'm all about lyrics and I want people to feel like they're stepping into another world into a great book into a great uh soundscape that they can just you know relax into and I'm trying to figure out how I can facilitate that I think with every album I'm in a different place physically <laughs> you know the last one I was in San Francisco and London and now I'm up in the woods and uh each new uh each new physical place will bring this new story and this new character um, and so I will try to, I'm taking that protest pop thing through and wanting people to, uh, listen to the music and be aware of the subjects that I'm com coming across with. Um, 
but uh, also be able to step into the shoes of whatever character and realm I'm playing with, if that makes any sense. Gotcha. I understand that. That yeah. makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> I mean, I don't, it's, it's hard because when you were talking about being on stage as a comedian or a musician and uh, feeling that energy and that back and forth with an audience, um, I don't know how that's going to keep going because we don't know when we can do those things in person anymore. And that's a major part of, you know, being uh, a performer. Oh, yeah. I mean, because I've been in the entertainment business now for 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, oh, no, longer than that. 21, almost 22 years. Fuck, I'm old. No, uh, no, no such thing. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, this, this year doesn't count, right? This, this year doesn't count? Okay. All right. We'll say, this year. All right, 20, 21 years, something like that. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and I first stepped foot on stage, and it was when I was 18, you know, playing guitar and uh, being a singer and a musician, you okay, know. know um, oh, yeah. I, I toured around the country and did a whole bunch of cool stuff. And I got out of the um, music business because it was just crushing. <laughs> you know, it's not even that. Um, at least at the time, you know, I'm a I'm a hardcore metal guy. Um, mm -hmm. I love metal. Um, kind of metal. All metal. Okay. Um, because that's like just, punk you know, too, or a little bit of punk. Uh, mostly the hardcore, you know, thrash, and you know, you know, just your Panteras, your Metallicas, your Avenged yeah, Sevenfolds. Yeah. You know, a little bit of all over the place. But I love metal. And, you know, that's what I played. And back in the early 2000s, when, you know, I was bouncing back and forth between bands and stuff like that, everyone was just trying to get on the radio. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, they weren't trying to be edgy. They weren't trying to do this. They were just trying to get that deal. Yeah. And, you know, then we'll deal with it later. I'm like, that's not who I am. I'm not going to do that. And it wasn't because of, you know, the business itself was because of the bands in the Orlando area at the time. I was just like, I'm mm -hmm. done with this. Um, and then, then I became a professional wrestler. And I did that for 12 years and I've been, wow, you've been in every vein of performance pretty much. Mm -hmm. That's right. And now I'm a stand-up comedian. I do this, but when I would step up on stage, you know, it's that there's a euphoric feeling. There's a oh, feeling that is unlike anything else in the world. doesn't matter if there's 10 people in the crowd or 10,000. It is just the most amazing feeling ever. And it's something that you cannot describe. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can say it's orgasmic or euphoric or whatever the case might be, but that doesn't describe it. No. It's, it's almost like an out of body experience, especially those yeah. that first couple times you do it. It's almost like you're not the one doing it. It's almost like you're watching no. somebody else go I through the emotions. I don't know if you ever are. I think that when you really hit that high, I think you're channeling. And you really are. Back of energy could be an ancestor, could be an out-of-body experience. You just don't know. Yeah, um, like when I look back on that kind of stuff, you know, it's like I don't see myself in, you know, on stage in a ring or whatever the case might be looking out on the crowd. It's almost like I can see myself from the crowd looking in. Mm -hmm. Like and like, I was not the one doing it. It was like I'm, I'm a ghost. I'm watching from the outside, and yeah. my body is going through the motions. And that's how it feels, even to this yeah, day. Actual feeling. It's so good. It's so <laughs> awesome. And then I watch videos of it. I'm like, damn, that was me. What the hell? I don't mm -hmm. remember doing that. Did I do that? <laughs> it is. Like, it can be like you're sleepwalking. And then, of course, when you come off stage, it's a very strange feeling in and of itself. It's it really is. Like that crash. And uh, coming back to yourself is always strange. I think that's why a lot of musicians and performers are drug addicts. Yeah, and that was one of the things that, you know, luckily I didn't fall into that trap, thank God. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that was one of the things that was kind of triggering for me, especially being somebody with depression and bipolar yeah. disorder. Yeah, being surrounded by it. Yeah, you know, going, well, not even that, you know, going from, because when you're on stage, you're somebody else. You're, you know, yes, it's still you. And yes, everything that you're doing is still you. But it's you're, it's almost like you're embodying somebody else when, you know, sometimes and you're just up there to live vicariously through this person. And it's just a it's a weird feeling. But then the moment you walk backstage and you come rushing back to reality that, oh, crap, you know, now I got to go back to being who I normally am on a day to day basis and not performing. It's just like a it's a, it's a, it's a crushing blow. And it's like, yeah. I, I want that feeling all the time. Cause it's yeah, again, yeah. It, it, it brings me a high that no other drug could ever do. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's why I like superhero shows, but they never show that side of it. They don't show Superman coming home and being like, fuck, what do I do? What speaking, do, I do now? speaking of superhero shows, yeah. Did you watch The Boys? I have watched all of The Boys except for the last, wait, is it the final? I don't know. Yeah. Last I week and then today was the final one. That doesn't seem like that many. I they did eight episodes. No, they only do eight each each year. They did eight last year and they did eight this time. So yeah, last week and then today, today was the season okay. finale. No, I haven't watched last week and I haven't watched this week. So don't say anything. <laughs> I love that flip side. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to, because you guys, there's people that haven't watched it yet either. And I'm not going to do that. I'll, I'll wait until next week to talk about it. But I'm just going to say, holy shit. Okay. <laughs> I hope that they unravel a lot of things because I kind of feel like, now that I know there was only eight episodes, I feel like it was almost slow going. I hope that the last episode, like, really, I know that it's going to be a cliffhanger. But did you find that, every, like, once every week thing kind of hard? Because I haven't had to do that since I was 11. Yes. Yeah, but, I, you know, I kind of commend Amazon on that. Yeah. Because it allowed them to have everybody come back every week and, you know, get those clicks up and stuff like that. Because every time you go into it, then they can suggest something else to watch and so on and so forth. So yeah, I, know. I, I, I get that. Now. But, yeah. but you know, last year and, you know, when you know when you look at Netflix or Amazon or, or Hulu or whatever, normally it's just, we'll drop in the whole season, have fun. Yeah. And Amazon did something completely different with this and it pissed me off, but it, it made me excited <laughs> for Fridays. No, yeah, completely. I understood why they were doing it and it really worked on me. Like whatever their focus group was definitely pulled through. But um, I'm like, a, I love getting, I want to eat the whole cake. Yeah. <laughs> I don't just want a slice. So I, I've been, that's why I love the kind of, we never had a, t I never had a TV growing up. So it would always be like watching things in like a box set on my laptop. So I'm used to that, like complete indulgence. Yeah. Um, and I'm like a TV show in a day kind of person. <laughs> complete binge. So, so you're a, a superhero nerd. I wouldn't, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't want to say that because I feel like I won't know a lot of the things that I would need to know to claim that title. But I do really like, I like anything fantasy, if that wasn't clear when I was talking about my music. I like any kind of different world uh, that I can step into, and superheroes often scratches that itch. Um, as a nerd in general. Just in general, yeah, across the board. Nothing Food wrong with nerd, that. TV nerd, book nerd. Anything. Nothing wrong with that. I, no. I'm, a, I'm a hardcore superhero nerd. Okay. Um, but only Marvel, because I think DC sucks. Okay. Um, I do not like DC at all. Um, quote me on that because that's just, you know. Okay, yeah, I will. <laughs> that's why my, you know, my entire studio is filled with nothing but Marvel. Yeah, I can see the Spider-Man there. And we've got Spider-Man, Captain America, Captain America, then I mean, know, Iron Man. I got everything. When I was living in Berkeley um, for a while, there was a great comic book store there in downtown Berkeley, and I can't remember the name, but um, – I got really into graphic novels and I just saw that they, I've been, I've been got really into this not graphic novel called Swamp Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's um, DC. Yeah. It's DC. I'm sorry. No, it's I'm fine. Sorry, man. <laughs> I love Swamp Thing. I, I think especially because coming up here, this is like Sasquatch territory and it feels like Swamp Thing could kind of rise out of the river. Um, but, uh, I just thought they have a TV show coming out because I've been waiting for that for ages. Well, it was actually released last year. It was. It just came up on my on the Hulu. So it was released last year on the uh, WB or the Warner Brother um, exclusive uh, DC channel. There was a DC, you know, Netflix type channel, mm -hmm. and it came out on that. But it bombed. They got horrible reviews. Now I guess it's coming. Oh. Now it's going to. HBO Plus or HBO Cinemax, whatever that. Um, oh yeah, HBO. No, but no. HBO Max, yeah. Plus or Ma HBO Max. Rather. HBO Max, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's what they're kind of. Everything that was on that channel is now moving over to HBO Max. So that's where. Oh, I'm disappointed because I feel like it could be a great story, even though I know you're not a DC man. I no. do follow it. I do follow it. Um, you know, so I know, you know, I know my fair share. It's just that I just. 
the comic books and now especially with the TV shows and the movies, how nothing nothing connects but everything connects and it's all weird and nothing makes sense to me and it's like just have one centralized universe guys come you on like, are you like someone that likes to look for easter eggs or yeah i mean now they started to interact you know the the movies on the dceu with yeah. the with the television stuff you know like um the flash from uh the movies um made a uh TV show? No, made a cameo appearance in the Flash TV show last year. Um, yeah, it was so there was two flashes and it was a multiverse thing. It was weird, but it was cool. But it's like, it, it, I, I mean, there are thousands of Spider Men right now, like just Spider Man, yes. Spider Man. Correct, Spider -Man, but at least, <laughs> but in the but in the in the Marvel world, they're at least going to start. Um, exploring that with the movies over the next couple of years with the multiverse, and they're going to introduce all these different things, which I'm kind of going to, you know, get into my nerd talk later. But yeah. you know, they're going to kind of, you know, start intertwining the past with the the present, and it's going to be really interesting because they're talking about bringing back um, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield from the old Spider-Man. I mean, the Andrew Garfield one just didn't quite hit. Though. It didn't because um, he was too cocky and arrogant. And not nerdy enough. Also, just maybe too too British, just at the core. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can't look at that face and not not think that well, he's British. Tom, Tom Holland's pretty British, but he. I know, but up. I don't know what it is. It's like he doesn't he doesn't emanate that. I mean, I know no, that he's he does a great actor, talk, but yeah, I I love I love the young Spider Man Homecoming. Yeah, and, and I think that's what they kind of went wrong in the past. Like Tobey Maguire was all nerd, not very quirky, yeah, not very cool. sarcastic. He just, just pure nerd. Yeah. Which I still loved about it. No, I think that um, works for Spider-Man though. I think that's why Spider-Man's such a favorite. Yeah, but when he's Peter, he's a, a nerd. And then when he's Spider-Man, he's a he's a fast talking, quirky little guy who just loves being sarcastic and funny. Mm -hmm. So there's two different sides to him. But like, you know, the Tommy Maguire Spider-Man didn't really do that too much. There were some sarcastic parts. There were some parts where you can kind of see glimmers of hope. And he did a really great job with what he was given, but they completely blew the pooch with uh with Wait, Andrew Garfield. Yeah, you know, I think that I mean, I think that the writing has just gotten better and better with the kind of comic book movies. I think that they become more inclusive. They have better written female characters because I mean, that's why I liked Spider-Man when I was young was because of, you know, Chris Kirsten Dunst and Mary Jane was one of the only female characters that I really liked in those movies. Um, and now with Zendaya, I think it really works. Uh, yeah, but, it's a completely different take on it. I love it. Yeah, it's a different take. And I think that uh, the more female superheroes there are, the more, uh, um, you know, I don't know, the more inclusive it gets, the better it will get. The writing is better. John Favreau's character, always good. As long as a superhero movie has John Favreau in it, I'm down. Well, I mean, let's just talk about John Favreau for a second, because that guy no, we is direct to the podcast on John Favreau if you if you want. Oh, well, um, I mean, he is the. I mean, him and Robert Downey Jr. are like pretty much solely responsible yeah. for everything we see on TV and movies today. As far as comic books go, because John Favreau directed that first Iron Man movie. Oh, I didn't know he directed it. Yes, he did. Um, he directed the Iron Man. Is great, the Iron Man's like it's and so that awesome. started it all with the Marvel Universe. And then yeah. you know DC was starting to do a couple. You know they also did the, you know the um the uh, the the Christopher Nolan Batman's at the time with uh, Christian mm -hmm. Bale and stuff like that. But they it was just these standalone movies. And then, you know, they started, you know, what Favreau did and what he started with it all just centered on a completely different course and it just made it historic. And then, you know, and now what he's doing with um, Disney as far as Star Wars goes, and it's just. I didn't know he was involved in Star Wars. He really, he, he's, he didn't he, get around. I, I'm, I told you, I am a nerd and a half. Yeah. Um, you know it all. You're the store. He's, he's the one that's directing um, The Mandalorian on, uh, on Disney+. Plus. Okay, well, I mean. I love him. I've loved him since, you know, Swingers days. So, uh, and Chef, just anything. I just find him a very comforting presence on the screen. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he even did a bit part on uh, Friends for a couple of uh, I know. He, yeah. was, he, was, he was the ultimate fighting champion. No, he wasn't. <laughs> I mean, to he me, he's the polar opposite. He's the only reason I know about ultimate fighting. Oh my god, that guy was just great in that episode. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, he is fantastic. Timing is pretty spot on. Yeah, um, and that's what I love about you know nerddoms. You know, you can yeah. sit here and I I can talk nerd all day. I could literally teach you a class. But everyone is a nerd. Like this thing that there's like this the high school labels of like nerd and jock and everyone's a nerd. Everyone is a nerd about something. Oh yeah, and, especially now. Like how are you getting through? lockdown without being a complete and utter obsessive about something they're not <laughs> <laughs> but you know nerds rule the world so i'm you know i'm not even you know worried yeah. about that no they do they do for sure um so, i mean that's why people like superheroes so much exactly exactly so we've talked about your music a little bit we've talked about your nerdy nerdy isms <laughs> nerdy isms yeah you know <laughs> How how do you incorporate you know everything about you to get where you have gotten today? You know, you know, you you grew up on the you you were born in LA or California yeah. and then you moved to Britain mm -hmm. and then you moved back here and you know you're you know you're a singer, you're doing all this cool stuff. Um, you know, what led you know to this point? I mean, how, how did you know this is my career when you know yeah. What was that defining moment that said, I am doing this? Uh, I think it's always been just one of the voices in the back of my head. I, my parents are both musicians in LA. My dad was kind of running a, it's always been like an open household full of creative types in LA. The, the basement of our house was a record, was like a recording studio. Then it became a magazine. <laughs> and in London, the same thing. We always had, you know, tiny square footage, but everyone would cram in and there'd be jams every Friday night. Um, so, I mean, when you're a teenager, you want to rebel in any way you can. Not that I was very rebellious at all, but um, I was really academic and I pushed it aside, even though it was happening all around me and I loved music. Um, I thought I was going to go to university to do English and philosophy and I was all geared up to do that. And then at the week before I was supposed to go um, to Bristol in the UK, I was just like, you know, I'm always going to wonder. And I know all I know about what I want to do with the rest of my life is tell stories. And maybe that'll be in poetry form or film form or some other medium. But I got to try it with music first. And so I just kind of uh, my parents were living in Berkeley. I hold up there. I taught myself to play drums and guitar and I took whatever I'd learned in my English class and applied it to writing lyrics and kind of went from there and it's pretty addictive as it happens <laughs> so I'm just gonna keep going so in researching you you know okay. you um you had you know you released one thing last year the paradise syndrome yeah and then two years ago is when you released some other stuff. And now you're just now releasing something, something else you released off the grid four months ago. I did. Yeah. So there's been kind of gaps. What's been going on there? Um, I, I move around a lot. Um, as, it, as you know, you just said, as I'm always, I can't decide whether I'm going to be in California or London. And so, uh, I, ha I wrote this album when I was in Berkeley, um, which is where all those songs are coming from, the apocalyptic kitchen. And I kind of, I didn't know anything about the music industry. So I thought I have this album and I'm gonna go to London. And to me, an album still was something that you held physically in your hands. And so once I had that, I was like, well, I've made it, I've done it. And I went to London, I got a bunch of meetings and the more meetings I did, the more I realized I, didn't know anything about how the music industry was changing and it was all online and um, I needed to rethink things. So I am an overthinker and that's where a lot of the gaps come in. I think way too much about where, when I will release it and what the mood will be and um, off the grid I wrote years ago 
But just in that moment, I was listening to it on our drive up, evacuating LA from coronavirus and going off the grid. Um, and I thought, well, this is how I feel now. So I'm going to release it now and just not overthink it. That was my first track where I was like, no overthinking it, just release. Um, and I'm going to keep trying to do that, you know, and shred some of the anxiety around, you know, putting my babies out into the world. Well, now we're going to go ahead and uh, put your baby out in the world for <laughs> 30, 40,000 people to listen to right now. Ooh, okay. Um, because, you know, I think, you know, it needs to be played um, because it's just that good. Um, oh, thank you so much. Oh, that's what we're here for. We're here to profile you. Flashing, can't you see? Yes. English <laughs> I mean, what's the point of doing a profile conversation if we're not going to play at least one of your songs? Yeah, I mean, of course, right? Exactly, you know? And then, and then I'll, you know, tomorrow morning I'll get a copyright strike from everywhere and I'll have to fight it and I'll be fine. <laughs> I, don't think anymore, man. I think that's all it, like in the cloud now. <laughs> don't think it matters. No, oh, it, it, it doesn't. No. Um, <laughs> you would be surprised every time, every time I do a profile on a on an artist and I play it, any other songs, I always get a copyright strike. But I get them too. Yeah. So I have used my own music and videos before and gotten like copyright messages from my distribution company. I'm like, please don't sue me. My music. Yeah. I usually just, um, will just say, Hey, I'll usually say I'm not trying to monetize cause I, I don't monetize my YouTube videos cause I don't mm -hmm. get very many views on YouTube anyway. Everything comes from my podcast. Um, so I don't really care, you know, about, you know, profiling. It's all about, um, you know, it, it's all about just getting you out there. I mean, I'll make my money, you know, on products. That's how I, you know, on sponsorships. I don't, yeah. I don't care about views and stuff like that. You know, I get my views. So it, it, yeah. So it's all about there, you. There are bricks everywhere now. I think you just collect them like with a rain bucket yeah. from all these different sources, right? Exactly. So, you know, you know, whoever, you know, owns the rights to your, just, you know, your, your, you know, get all the money from, from the views <laughs> and that's fine. Yeah, I don't know who it is now. Whoever's getting this money, congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> all right. So with that, you know, that fun conversation, <laughs> pulling back the curtain a little bit. Here it is. Yeah. All right, so without any further ado, here is. Oh, actually, hold on. So I got me. <laughs> there we go. All right, there we go. Off the grid. <laughs> I hate YouTube. I hate YouTube. It's our medium. through my ears loud enough so I can't hear all my fears all of my fears multiplied by 20 years so many fears well you gotta think big if you wanna live small off the grid solar panel out the way yeah you gotta think big if you wanna live small 
It's all about So I got to ask, and I mean this in just a funny-ass way, not in an insulting way, so don't take it the wrong way. How stoned were you when you came up with that concept Um, of that video? There is a bong in the video. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my dad in the mask, by the way. Oh, was it? (laughs) You know, it was actually, I was was living in England, and I came to um, California for Christmas, and I was like, you know, I think I should just, we should just do a video for Off The Grid, Mom. And so we just got my iPhone and all got stoned as a family, including our dog, and drove out to the desert up above in um, Mount Diablo and just made it up as we went along. Except for that mask, because I really needed my dad to wear that mask. <laughs> <laughs> because I think the quirkiness of it makes it, really fucking cool um <laughs> it really does so i mean I wanted to have a fever dream you know say again i wanted it to be like a fever dream yeah that's what it, that's what it felt like okay cool. and, and, and uh so i mean it's, it was just yeah it was it was pretty badass um for those of you listening on the podcast the link for that video is in the description um but you know it's just one of those it was just one of those weird you don't see that type of video anymore um, everything's yeah. way overproduced, tons yeah. of dancers, you know, Perfect. actors and actresses and this and that. And you, you don't see that anymore. And I just, I, I really want to compliment you on that. Thank you. I like, I like homespun. I think that I'll keep doing it. Um, and I just shot a music video today, just using the national park right here with my iPhone again. So I think that, uh, grassroots is where we're all going less money in the music industry, more creatively, artistically led projects will be happening. So Absolutely. just grab your iPhone, guys. You don't need much else. <laughs> no, you really don't. Um, your parents and a truck, and then you've got a music video. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, you know, you killed it with that that song. You know, right. I like the way it, it, it was very, you know, like I said, it was, you have that 70s hipster vibe going on with your sound, which is, I think is really, it's just so different from what you hear today. And I love it. Thank you. I'm glad yeah. you like it. It def- I'm definitely influenced by the 70s and 60s. But to be honest, I feel like the music that was coming out of the 60s and 70s was to do with the political climate. And it's, you know, in quite similar in its intensity now. So we might be climbing back to that, those roots. I, I agree 100% with that. 
And I, like I said, I think that song's great. Um, it has a great vibe to it. The music video matches the, the song. It's quirky. It's funny. It, and it, but it, it's, it's just amazing. It's really, really good. Um, Thank you very much. Well, more to come. Definitely. I cannot wait. <laughs> It'll get weirder and weirder. Please bring the weird. More costumes for my dad. I've ordered them on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that vulture mask. Let me tell you. Woo, that was the one I just did, I have him dressed as Sasquatch. And the Sasquatch costume came and it's made entirely of hair extensions. So <laughs> it's, I mean, it's fantastic. It really works. I'm nervous that people really, really, my dad included, believe that Sasquatch is up here. So I'm slightly worried he might get shot. But other than that, it's really working out. You know what? At this point in time, uh, you know whether it's aliens, vampires, zombies—you know—it's all possible. It is all possible, you guys. I am still a fervent believer in vampires, so I've—that's been my number one. I've always believed in vampires. They're definitely out there. If any are listening right now, know that I'm open. <laughs> and, and me personally, I'm waiting for the zombie apocalypse because it's going to be fun. I mean, isn't that already happening now? <laughs> if that was the case, then where's my, you know, my leather jacket and my barbed wire wrapped baseball bat? Exactly. And you're, and you always need a cowboy hat, right? Yeah. The zombie apocalypse. Yep. Sure. Yeah. Got to get your bow and arrow, mix it up. Yeah. I mean, I, I would be the, the crazed uh, leader of the group. Okay. Okay, cool. I don't ever want to be the leader necessarily in a zombie apocalypse situation because I panic. But I'll I'll for sure join your squad if you're no, looking for someone that passes. You know, I am I'm gonna need, you know, some talent in the in the you know to keep us, you know, I will busy. Keep singing, you'll hate it. I'll keep singing the whole time. Keep the spirit high. <laughs> you're really great on your nerves, but less. Um I mean, I think it might be a zombie apocalypse right now. I mean, I kind of feel like a zombie with my iPhone all the time, so I, I think we all do. I mean just, you know, we wake up in the morning and the first thing we grab is our phone. I know. It's terrible. It's so bad. But everyone does it, right? It's all, It must be altering our brains into something. Well, see, and then I use it as an excuse. It's like, oh, you know, I got to check and make sure that, you know, see what my, my listen count is from the yeah. podcast from last night. And, you know, is everything streaming right? Do I have any complaints? Do I have this? Oh, I got to check awesome. everything. I got to. Oh, yeah. Oh. And then you're watching like Chrissy Teigen make a burrito. Yeah. <laughs> Good spirals for sure. I mean, I do that. It's hard because when you're on your on my screen is my entertainment, my work, and my procrastination. So it all rolled into one. So I don't see when I can take my eyes off of it, really. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'll be uh, you know looking on Instagram in the morning to, to you know to see if you know all my posts from the previous day got you know a good uh, interaction yeah. level, you know, engagement level, and stuff like oh, that. And then. But then I'll be like, oh, an interesting BuzzFeed video. Or, oh, look. Kittens. Fucking cats, Have you watched that documentary? I think maybe everyone was talking about it for a while, The Social Dilemma. Oh, my God, yes. I did. Okay, yeah. Because that rattled me for 24 hours. And I was like, no more iPhone in the river with it. And then I was back on. But definitely when they said that about all the algorithms and how they all know you, like the algorithms know you, they know how neurotic you are and like what you're researching. That was just, I now I was like, now I know why I get so many ads for like, you know, special footwear to fix my arch and, you know, like yeah, I mean, videos. And I think that was all stuff. I, yeah, I mean, I think I, that was all stuff I already knew. I, I, I mean, yeah. I was in the dark, so ignorance, yeah. don't watch it. I mean, because if you've ever noticed, I mean, if you haven't seen the, the, the movie yet, go watch it. It's on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it just basically, you know, if you've ever Googled anything at all, oh, and you, if you've like, you've left Facebook and then go to Google something and then you go back to Facebook, all of a sudden now all the ads yeah. on your Facebook are that <laughs> thing that you just Googled. I've, I've had it before where I'll like say out loud, sometimes I think I'm just thinking it. And I don't know how it comes onto my phone, but I'll be like, you know, maybe I'll get a Vitamix. And then I have ads for Vitamix every other day. So they must be listening. 
<laughs> well, if you said the word Vitamix, then it definitely was. I'll keep you posted, guys, if it comes up on my Facebook after this. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but, you know, I was the guy that was, when I was watching that movie, that was playing on my phone the entire time. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you do. Yeah, because I can't just do one thing now. I have to have my phone. I have to have all screens running. No. The other day, yeah. I had like, a football game, basketball game, and also my octopus teacher in the middle. Yeah. Uh, this is a good, you like tonic after the social dilemma bite. By the way, octopus teacher on Netflix documentary about a man's relationship with an octopus is fantastic. I'm gonna go ahead and put that on my my bookmark list because I got. I, I, I made it sound sexual. It's not sexual, but it's intimate. It's an intimate relationship with an octopus, and it's really beautiful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so Mike. <laughs> I can't do that. Mine's I, attached to a that I hope most people have watched Octopus Teacher because the way that I described that was really off the mark. <laughs> it, actually, it only made me want to watch it even more. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad. I hope you won't be disappointed now because uh, there's it's it's not as intimate as I made it seem. <laughs> it, the, the whole concept by itself just sounds amazing, though. So, you know, I got to watch it. I mean, it is glorious. It's this man that become becomes friends with an octopus and i mean there's nothing more to it it's just man and nature and interspecies friendship it's got it all okay <laughs> does this octopus live in his house or like in a oh, okay yeah no the octopus is in the wild it's not it's not like a co-living situation um at least not not now not at that point he might have a different arrangement now with the octopus but um do you think they discussed it? Do you think there was consent involved? There was a hundred percent consent. I'm positive with that. There's beautiful imagery of the man and the octopus just tangled up, just connecting tentacle to arm. Are um, we sure he's the octopus is not trying to kill him? No, I mean, uh, <laughs> I said that I, I'm, I'm wondering now what the octopus was thinking, but um, no, I think that it was love. I think that it was love. <laughs> now, now I'm even more curious. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I think I'm selling it. It's it really is good. Um, it's not David Attenborough, but it it does scratch an itch. <laughs> All right, so everybody go, go watch that on Netflix as well. Off the grid, watch Social Dilemma, then The Octopus Teacher in that order, and you'll really have a, your night cut out for you. Oh yeah, that's a that's a good night. Yeah, it's a good lineup. You know. Or, you know, oh, no, 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 wait, okay. watch, you know, watch Octopus, you know, uh, yeah. you no, know, watch Off the Grid on, okay. on here. Okay, yeah. <laughs> watch my and show and then go. <laughs> yeah, you need several screens now. That's the way to do it. You I do. Think. You do. Yeah. An eyeball switching around all the time. Exactly. So if you, but if you give my click and you watch her video on my, my channel, then go watch it again on her channel. Therefore, she gets a click as well. Please do, yeah. Yes. Do, do all of that algorithm fighting. I, I don't care about clicks on YouTube. <laughs> I, I do care about, admittedly, I can. So please just keep replaying it. Because here's the thing, and it, what bothers me is like, and this is why I keep saying that, because in the year I've been doing this, I've grown from, you know, 250, you know, 150 listens per day to, you know, 200,000 per day. And no, you know, for 200,000 per week, you know, 30 to 40,000 per day. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but you know, with my YouTube channel, I'm lucky to get 15 to 20. So it's like, how is my podcast continuing to grow, but not my channel? So it's like, you know, I don't even care. As long as my podcast is growing, uh, yeah, I don't know, even care. You just got to let it go. I think you can be chasing numbers your whole life if you're in a creative Exactly. Industry. And you have to, it's a funny thing because I often think like you're, I'm, Grace and Space is like a human being wandering about the world. And then I'm also CEO of Grace and Space, the business. <laughs> and I'm creating, I'm the creative, you know, content manager too. And I'm operating in all these different roles. And to kind of monetize vulnerability can be a strange thing to do. Yeah. Monetization is is difficult. And it's fun getting to that point, but it's difficult. Yeah. The journey is fun for sure. It really is. Yeah. Um, and I've enjoyed the journey so far. Yeah, it's it definitely uh, it's a, it's a, it can be a tonic, and you you don't often get bored if you always have some sort of creative outlet that you are in charge of. 
Yeah, I, I'm never bored. Yeah, no, that doesn't exist. I mean, sometimes when I'm the air quality is really bad and I have to stay in this cabin all day, but yeah. <laughs> you win some, you lose some. Exactly, exactly. Um, Grace, you are a talented, talented, you know, um, artist, Thank and. I'm going to be looking out for the next thing you put out. Cause I really want to see your dad in a Sasquatch, you know, that costume. Is, that's the, that's the trick. That's going to bring people to my account. Now is just to see my dad and covered in hair extension. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, in all reality, you, like I said, I love your vibe. I love the sound. <laughs> yeah. I love the message behind it. Um, it's just so different from everything else that you're hearing today. And I think that's what we really need is we need a, a dope cause we're, we're getting stagnant. We're getting complacent with our, you know, music yeah. choices. Um, and I think that you're adding a dose of, of difference into everything. And I love that about you. Oh, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're very, very welcome. And I, and like I said, I cannot wait to see what you do next. Oh, thank you so much. You too. I'll keep watching the socket podcast. Damn right. Please do. Oh, I will. Um, but I hope to have you on again soon. Um, I've loved, I've loved being yes. here. Thank you for hosting me. Oh, it was my pleasure. This is, this is what I do and I absolutely love it. And I, 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 the I ultimate been... host. it was great. It a great first experience on a live podcast. Yes. And then when you blow up, I'll be making sure I'll be, I will be screaming from the mountaintops. I talked oh, to her I first. I to deal with the suck it podcast. No I... other podcast. Now you've ruined me. <laughs> Nobody else is as good as I am. Everyone it's else, the truth, you know, guys. what's going to happen is they're going to get a media kit from you and then they're going to ask you every question from the media kit. And then that's going to be the exact questionnaire that they're going to have with you. Oh, that's uh, right. And that's going to be boring as hell. <laughs> that's why I don't do that. But I'll always try to talk about man's special relationship with octopus. Please. <laughs> exactly. Because I hope they just do a series on that because that's going to be fantastic. Oh yeah, a man's related, man's intimate relationship with all these different, you know, sea creatures. Non-sexual, of course. Again, I must stress that. Um, that that'll always be a part of my conversation. <laughs> all right. But you, but you <laughs> never know. There's there's something's gonna happen with that eventually. Yeah, <laughs> gonna be, someone's gonna get sued about the octopus teacher. So watch it while you can, you guys. Exactly. <laughs> but again, um, enjoy your weekend. Have you fun do. in the in the you know off the grid there and enjoy yourself i thank appreciate you so you. much i'll contact you when i watch all of the rest of the boys i appreciate it yes we mind blown we'll talk about it too because it's all right stuff. thank you so much Derek. you're welcome you have a good one bye 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 all right and that was grace in space what a fun 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 individual man i love talking to her go check her out just um on in, uh, excuse me on all the different social platforms I was up on the screen and you can also look for her on YouTube at Grace and space. All right. So nerd talk. So we were just talking about the boys. Um, Jensen Eccles has been cast for next season of the boys um, in a role that is going to be unlike anything he's ever played before. So if you guys know who Jensen Eccles is, he was on some soap operas and all this other stuff, but He's been known for the last 15 years as Dean Winchester on Supernatural. Well, now he's going to be, you know, they're coming to a close with Supernatural in the next coming weeks. The final season is airing now, but he will be on picking up the mantle of a villain in Supernatural, in the boys next year. So be on the lookout for that. Um, Eric Kripke came out today and was talking about it. Don't expect your normal, typical role for him. Expect a villain in that role next year. Um, also, just announced today, Benedict Cumberbatch will be in Spider-Man 3, the follow-up to Homecoming. Not Homecoming, Far From Home, excuse me. Um, kind of filling that Tony Stark role, um, that Nick Fury role. Um, it's kind of like a mentor, so look out for Benedict Cumberbatch in Spider-Man 3 coming up next year. Um, it's going to be kind of interesting how that's all going to play out. Um, I'm really kind of curious to see how that all works together because um, they're going to be going toward multiverse stuff, as we talked about earlier with Grace. There's going to be a lot of interesting stuff going on in the next coming um, years from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Um, you may have read it if you're a comic book nerd, or if you've never read it, you know, then you're in for a treat. But it's going to be fun. Um, and it's all going to start here in the next few weeks with 
WandaVision on Disney Plus. So definitely look out for that as well. All right. Now, to end the show, some of the things that I learned today, courtesy of Reddit. Today I learned someone in New York State bought an old bowl at a tag sale in 2007 for $3. When the, bother, when the buyer had it appraised several years later, he learned that it was a thousand-year-old Chinese bowl initially valued at two hundred to 300000 and later sold at auction for $2.2 million dollars can you imagine investing three dollars for something anything in the world and then later selling it for 2.2 million that's just ridiculous absolutely insane today i learned that the ussr's lead rocket scientist sergey volka Kor korolev ugh, planted newspaper articles falsely suggesting approval for a Soviet space program. President Eisenhower responded by approving an American space program. This forced the Communist Party to approve the space program they previously denied. So this guy was actually pretty smart by, you know, um, forcing something that, you know, he basically kicked off the space race. So um, I don't know if we should give him kudos for that, but at the same time, it's pretty damn smart. Today, I learned that the location of the tomb of Alexander the Great has been lost to time. Alexander was entombed in Alexandria. The tomb was subsequently visited by many pilgrims throughout history, including Caesar. The tomb was well visited up until the 1500s when its location was suddenly forgotten. <clears throat> and finally, today, I learned that Henry II, the king who uttered the famous phrase, well, no one rid me of this turbulent priest got beaten up by 80 monks as part of his penance for part of his said priest's death. <laughs> this is why you don't mess with people. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for a great week here on the show. Join me next week as we kick off. The, the week leading up to my 100th episode next Thursday. There's going to be surprise guests. You're going to be so sick. with Oh, you're going to be in love with these guests. There's going to be giveaways. There's going to be a lot of fun. Join me next Thursday. Please come join me for next Thursday for episode 100. Live right here on YouTube or the next day on the podcast. I greatly appreciate everything you guys have done for me to this point. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you so much for listening and watching. Please be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening or watching right now. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, Apple, Google Play, whatever. Please be sure to subscribe and click that bell to be notified when I publish, which I do every Monday through Friday. So again, thank you so much, guys. I appreciate you. I love you. Please stay healthy. Please stay happy, and as always, stay fucking heavy. We'll see you guys Monday. Peace.